Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David continues our series on Jonah with a look at second chances. Let's listen. Well, my wife and I, we were hiking along Black Mountain once and we were enjoying just kind of the, the fall weather and all the changing leaves and then we came across a really intriguing sign. Uh, usually, when you're hiking, the signs that you look for are the signs that say, hey, go this way, you know, this is where the trail is, and this is how many miles it is until you arrive at your destination. But this sign was different than the ones I'd seen before. I took a picture of it so I could show you. Here's the sign. It says, Rattlesnake Summit, please don't pet snakes or pick the flowers. Interesting. I didn't know we were hiking to Rattlesnake Summit. We had a conversation saying, well, should we continue? I mean, I don't see any snakes. I don't really want to. Apparently, they are in North Carolina. And we said, oh, fine, let's just keep hiking. Again, it's beautiful. We wanted to be out there. Well, we kept going. And after maybe half a mile, we came across another sign. Here's the next one. It says, Tranquility Hollow, drinking from Bear Creek, safe for bears only. And then a little smiley face. Well, okay, so bears and rattlesnakes. We really probably should have turned around at this point, but we didn't. We said, I don't see any bears. I don't see any rattlesnakes, and we're not going to drink from any creeks. And so we kept on going and uh, had just a, a wonderful time, particularly a great view up from vantage point of Rattlesnake Summit. Now, as I reflected on that, I got to thinking, wouldn't it be great if there were signs in our lives that told us that we were heading in the right direction. You know, not signs like these or signs that you can visibly see, but some sign that says, yes, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right things. You're, you're working hard in your life. You're making the right choices. Keep going this direction. Or maybe signs that said, whoa, 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 you're taking the wrong path here. You gotta turn around. You gotta go back the way you came from. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I actually believe that there are signs like that in our lives, signs from God. And they're not, again, signs that you can visibly see, like on a hiking trail, but there are, are ways that God gets our attention. There are ways that God tries to point us in certain directions and away from other directions. Yes, I think there are signs. As we study the third week in the story of Jonah, I want you looking for those signs, those signs of God in this story of Jonah. Now, when we left the story of Jonah, you might recall last week that he was becoming a new man. Uh, you saw it a little bit in this story right here in this skit, where in that moment that he was vomited up by that fish, he realized that he was rescued by God. He realized that his spirit was now revitalized and that he had a mission to accomplish. He was chosen to go by God and follow God to the city of Nineveh. Well, here's what happens next. We're picking this up on chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh, and proclaim to it the message I give you. Okay, think back to two weeks ago. Do you remember how the story of Jonah began? The very first verse in this book of Jonah 
began with God telling him, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. That's the very first verse, the opening line of this whole book. God says, go and tell Nineveh of their wickedness. Tell of the ways that they have failed to follow me, of the ways that they are not following the signs that I have been giving them. It made me wonder how much trouble and heartache could Jonah have avoided if he would have listened to God the very first time? I mean, for Jonah, he would have avoided that storm at sea and having the whole ship almost sink. Uh, He would have avoided being thrown overboard and almost drowning. Uh, He would have avoided spending three days in the belly of a fish. But not all of us learn the first time, do we? Now, I mean, life would be easier if we listened to God right away that first time, but we are a fickle people, aren't we? We're stubborn people at times, and sometimes it takes God several tries to really get through to our hearts. I believe as Christians, our goal should be to be so attentive to the Spirit of God that we can sense what it is that God is speaking to our hearts. And the moment we sense it, we say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Whatever it is you're asking me, that's what I'm willing to do. That's the goal. And yet, how often as people do we fail to live up to that goal? To be heir or to be human is to err. And I think God understands that. And so God gives Jonah a second chance. He is given a new opportunity. And I think in our lives too, we get the same opportunities. Where if we are not able to get it right the first time, God says, here's another try. I'm right here with you. Let's do this again. And when you get that second chance, when you get that second opportunity, that's the moment to seize to say, I'm learning from my past, and now I'm moving forward with you, God. This is what Jonah's doing. He has learned from his mistakes, and now he is following no matter where God goes. The next verse, verse 3, says, Jonah, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So last time the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah turned tail. He ran in the opposite direction of where God asked him to go, But this time, we're simply told that Jonah obeys, obeys what God says, and he walks over to Nineveh. Now, I want you to remember what is at stake here, the type of city that Nineveh was. Nineveh was a violent and dangerous place to be. Uh, We remember that God sent more than one prophet. The prophet Nahum also went to Nineveh and described what he saw. Uh, Here's a couple verses from Nahum chapter 3. He says, See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers charge past. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty and enslaved them by her witchcraft. Yes, so Nineveh was this violent city that was far away from the ways of God. This is a city that would be more likely to kill a prophet than to listen to that prophet's message. Jonah is putting his life in danger. 
by following God and being willing to go into that city and preach against its ways and its violence. And yet, Jonah is a changed man. When he came out of that fish after those three days of reflection, he is a changed man, and his trust in God is so high that he is willing to follow God no matter where God leads him. So Jonah, he's ready to deliver this message, this message of peace and reconciliation to a people that were desperate for it. Let's see how it goes. The next verse says, Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. So Nineveh is a massive city, especially by the standards of the ancient world. Uh, we're told that it would take Jonah three days from, to walk from one end of the city to the other end. Uh, historians believe that this city was possibly up to 50 miles long. Uh, that is what we're talking about here when we think about Nineveh. One historian in the first century, so right around when Jesus lived, here's what he had to say about Nineveh. He said, no one afterward built a city of such compass or with walls so magnificent. So this, in the ancient world, is a massive city. And in the face of such a large city, here's one person, Jonah. This one person, the size of an ant in a city 50 miles long, one man's message of the grand city of ancient civilization, that they would not exist in 40 more days. Now, Jonah's task was actually quite simple. His task was to simply walk, walk along the streets, and to proclaim that message to anyone who was willing to hear. And he must trust that God will do the rest, that God will take his words and make those words effective. But imagine, imagine if you were Jonah. And imagine how filled with self-doubt you could have been as you were walking through those streets of Nineveh. I mean, imagine how many times he could have wondered as he was wandering through this city, is anyone really listening? Is there any way that my message is going to make any difference in a city so large and so far from God? But what we must remember is that if God is the one asking you to do the task, then God is the one who will guarantee that it will come to fulfillment. All our task is, all our response is to obey, to obey whatever it is that God asks. God is the one who will ensure that this work is done. Well, guess what? Here's what the next verse says. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Yes, Jonah's message worked. It probably surprised even him that Jonah, after he's finally obeyed God, he's delivered this message, and the people listen. Their hearts are moved and moved towards God. We're told that the whole city, from the least to the greatest person, does two things— when they hear this message. They fast 
and they put on sackcloth, just like you saw with the children's message. Uh, sackcloth is interesting, I and mean, we don't use that anymore today, but maybe we should, because it is a very visible way of saying, I've been in the wrong. I have done the wrong thing. I am dressing in such a way that everyone can tell that I'm in a, a period of mourning and a period of repentance. There was an interesting picture done to visually show what it would look like if the entire city of Nineveh was doing this. Can you imagine walking through this city and then the entire city begins to dress in a certain way? An entire city says we have been in the wrong. Our violent ways, our dangerous ways, are ways that we no longer want to follow. And uniformly, everyone at one time turns towards God. Now, I read this story, and it's a story that's familiar to many of us, but there's one nagging question that I have every time I arrive at this part of the story. The question is, why was Jonah's message so convincing? I mean, how is it possible that Jonah's message, his one-person message to the entire city of Nineveh, had that big a difference, that everybody turned back to God? Well, as I did a little bit more research, uh, what I realized is I think the answer to that question proves that God has quite a sense of humor. Okay, so here's what I mean. So Nineveh is a foreign city, meaning they're not an Israelite city. And foreign cities had their own foreign gods in this time period. And archaeologists actually dug up Nineveh about 50 years ago in what is now modern-day Iraq. And what they discovered in their excavation were tons and tons of symbols of Nineveh's gum. The god was called Dagon. And Dagon is mentioned actually several times in our scriptures. Here's an example from the book of Judges. It says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to their god, Dagon, and to rejoice. For they said, Our god has given Samson, Samson our enemy, into our hand. So the god Dagon was popular with the Philistines, and the Ninevites during this time period. Do you want to know what Dagon looked like? This is just going to make you smile. Dagon was half fish, half man. Uh, here's, here's a picture of uh, something that was excavated from Nineveh, and you can see top half was a man, bottom half was a fish. Okay, Put yourself in the position of someone who is living in Nineveh and who this is your God. This is who you're worshiping. I want you to imagine that you're along the, the seashore. Maybe you brought the family, right, out to the waters just for the day. And all of a sudden, you see a big fish approaching, just kind of cresting out of the water. And it's getting closer, and you're going, oh, kids, okay, back up. I'm not sure what we're seeing here. And this big fish then vomits this man. He comes out on the seashore, and he begins preaching about the true God. Can you imagine what it would be like for this whole city that believed in a fish man God to then see that? That message, word of what happened, how Jonah arrived, must have spread like wildfire 
throughout Nineveh. And I look at that and I go, okay, I think such a dramatic reversal of fortunes in that city may have had a lot to do with Jonah's entrance into that city initially. It would add so much credibility to what God was already doing in those hearts. And we are told the entire city responds. God's message is so convincing that even the king, even the king of Nineveh responds to God. Here's where the story goes next. It says, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. This is the king, the king who probably had the most to gain by Nineveh's current corrupt system. Even the king's heart is turned towards God. And notice how God is capitalized in this passage. That's because in the original Hebrew, he's referring to Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, and no longer Dagon, their former God. No, now he is calling on all the people in Nineveh to worship the one true God. And notice that words, words are not enough. He wants their actions to follow. He tells them, give up your violent ways and turn towards this God. This message is finally sinking in. And yet, the king still does not know if this will be enough. Did you notice that? He says, we're going to do all of this. We're going to worship this new one true God. And then he says, who knows? Who knows? Maybe God will look upon us with compassion. Maybe this God, who we're still being introduced to, will forgive us because we have gone so far astray. But he does not know for certain. He does not know if this God will have compassion. I think sometimes we wonder that too. We, even we who've grown up in the church, we wonder, okay, if I've gone too far astray, or if I've made too many mistakes, will God still look on me with compassion? Will God look on me freely with forgiveness? What we're learning in this story is that God does have compassion on them, that God will have compassion on us. All that is required is an authentic change of heart, a, a genuine turning to God. We know that because this is how chapter 3 ends with this verse saying, when God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And so one of the most evil cities of this time period is saved. And this is God's utmost desire for all people, that we all may turn from hate and from greed and from violence and instead turn towards God's love 
God's compassion, God's grace. What is possible for the people of Nineveh is possible for all people everywhere. When I teach middle and high schoolers, they have a hard time grasping how all-encompassing God's grace really is. Uh, they'll ask me questions, like they'll, they'll think of the most evil person they can think of in the history of humanity, whoever that person is for them. And they'll say, well, what about this person? What about this person if they truly turn towards God, even with all the horrible things they've done, will God still forgive them? And every time I say, yes, I get to announce this good news that yes, God's forgiveness, God's compassion will come even for the worst of us and even for the worst in us. Every time, if repentance is the authentic turning of a heart towards, away from us towards God, our creator, then it does not matter what has come before. What this story tells us, what the story of Jonah was written for, is to proclaim that a new day and a changed life begins the moment that God's grace captures a human heart. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.